may well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be taking a look at um, a case dealing with the right to carry, not specifically... New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. That's the case that is currently pending before the Supreme Court. Probably two months to go before we get a decision in the Bruin case. And the Bruin case, of course, deals with New York's carry laws, the may-issue carry laws that, uh, for most people, are a probably not going to issue you a permit to carry a firearm. The average New Yorker cannot obtain a permit to carry unless they demonstrate some sort of justifiable need to carry a firearm, which, of course, the Second Amendment doesn't talk about, right? The Second Amendment talks about the right of the people to keep and to bear arms that shall not be infringed, not shall not be regulated to the point of meaninglessness. But again, we probably have a couple of months to go before the Supreme Court decision in Bruin comes down. And interestingly enough, you might recall during the oral arguments for Bruin, which are held back in November of last year, there was a lot of uh, speculation on the part of gun control advocates that that maybe the court was going to uh, issue a very, very narrow ruling, right? Just dealing perhaps uh, with these two individuals in New York State who had filed suit because they could not obtain a carry license. Maybe the court, so so goes the thinking of the gun control activists, maybe the court was going to just, you know, write a, a decision so narrowly that it would apply only to those two individuals but wouldn't touch the, uh, 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 you know, underlying uh, May issue regime in New York State. I have a feeling that those hopes on the part of the gun control activists uh, maybe fading as we get closer to this election. Uh, reading some 2A tea leaves, this one, a, a case out of New Jersey, where a U.S. federal judge, Frieda Wolfson, has now ordered that a case challenging New Jersey's carry laws be stayed pending the Supreme Court's decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Uh, Wolfson ordered that the parties advise the district court how the Supreme Court's decision impacts the case when that decision is rendered and the case is administratively terminated pending the stay. So this is a case out of Elizabeth, uh, excuse me, Englishtown, New Jersey, uh, that started back in August of 2021. Uh, Daniel Francisco, who is a council member uh, there in Englishtown, uh, is one of the plaintiffs, along with Oradell, New Jersey resident uh, Ori Katzen. The Firearms Policy Coalition is also involved in this suit. Uh, English Town's police chief, Peter Cook, named as a defendant, as is the police chief in Oradell, New Jersey. Uh, the New Jersey attorney general, who at the time was uh, Andrew Bruck, but uh, now is uh, uh, a, a new uh, acting attorney general, uh, Matthew Platkin. Uh, and basically, the allegations are very similar to the Bruin case, that New Jersey's proper cause requirement in order to obtain a carry license violates the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Francisco applied for his permit to carry. He was denied by the police chief there in uh, Englishtown in January of 2021 because his application supposedly did not meet the quote-unquote justifiable need criteria. Uh, Francisco first tried uh, to appeal this decision in New Jersey Superior Court, uh, but the courts upheld that denial in July of last year. Uh, in this complaint, 
Francisco and the other plaintiffs uh, arguing that they have a fundamental right to keep and bear arms, that New Jersey's gun control laws are preventing them from exercising that fundamental right to bear arms. They're requiring an application for a carry permit to be approved by the New Jersey Superior Court after it's already approved by the police is also unconstitutional. And that the state's quote justifiable need requirement uh, is unconstitutional as well. Now, interestingly enough, while the federal judge issued this stay, the stay was actually requested by the acting attorney general of New York, Matthew Placken, who sent a letter on March 24th to Wilson requesting that the case be stayed, noting that the Supreme Court's pending case involved New York's handgun laws and saying, quote, there is a substantial likelihood that the court's ruling in that case would govern or at least inform the ultimate result in this case. And as a result, the parties in this matter will jointly request that this case be stayed pending the disposition of the U.S. Supreme Court case. So both parties were asking for this. What's interesting to me is that the judge granted this. Uh, And again, I I would uh, anticipate and assume that the Farmers Policy Coalition, that the plaintiffs are hoping for an expansive decision in Bruin that would, in fact, implicate not just New York's may issue laws, but New Jersey's may issue laws. Massachusetts may issue laws, uh, Maryland's may issue laws, California's may issue laws. The eight states that still have these may issue laws that require you to demonstrate some sort of justifiable need or good cause, that, that this court decision might implicate each and every one of those states and the carry regimes that they currently have in place. Again, I would anticipate the FPC and the plaintiffs making that argument, but to see the defendants now make that argument, too. So, well, let, let's kick this down the road a little bit here because, you know, the Supreme Court might have something to say that uh, will implicate New Jersey's gun laws. I think this is a good sign. Now, look, maybe this is just Plaquen saying, ah, you know, I don't want to do the work right now. Let's just uh, kick this off. I got other stuff on my plate so we can just, you know, delay this until after the Supreme Court decision. Maybe, there, maybe there's much to do about nothing. But I just can't help but think that the, uh, the wishes of the gun control activists uh, hoping Desperately, that perhaps the Bruin decision will not amount to much uh, is, in fact, just wishful thinking. And that when the Supreme Court's decision comes down, likely in early June, uh, that we will get a meaningful decision that implicates not just the infringement on the right to keep and bear arms in New York State, but again, the uh, very mechanisms of these may issue laws that prevent average everyday citizens from exercising their constitutional rights. I'm going to see this as a good sign. I think you should too. All right, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story. Oh, speaking, by the way, of the right to carry, before we move on uh, to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report, we should mention that Governor Ron DeSantis uh, called for the passage of constitutional carry in Florida's special legislative session. And that's big news because Florida's constitutional carry bill went nowhere in the regular session, did not even get a committee hearing, didn't even have a Senate co-sponsor. So I think this is really interesting that Governor DeSantis uh, singled out constitutional carry as one of those bills that he wants to see pass in the special session that he's calling. I don't know that that all of a sudden now that constitutional carry is assured of passage. Uh, but this is a very good sign. This is not just Governor DeSantis making a, uh, sure, I'd sign it in response to 
uh, a, a question from reporters. This was Governor DeSantis specifically uh, addressing constitutional carry as an issue that he wants to see the legislature work on in this special session. Now the question becomes, okay, what's that vehicle going to be? Is it going to be the bill that was authored uh, by uh, Representative Anthony Sabatini, the bill that could not attract a Senate co-sponsor, that uh, couldn't get a committee hearing, uh, in, in part from what everybody uh, seems to say is uh, Sabatini's rather caustic relationship uh, with his colleagues? Or will you see another Republican uh, introduce a new constitutional carry bill one that might get the support of uh, their colleagues. Again, there's there's still a lot of moving pieces there in Florida in terms of the fight for constitutional carry. But, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, no way is constitutional carry happening in Florida this year. The crossover deadline has passed. There was no committee hearing held for this bill. Now, thanks to Governor DeSantis' comments, I, I think you have to say that the prospects for constitutional carry have been revived. Although, again, I, I don't think that uh, that bill is assured of passage yet. If you are a Florida gun owner, I would strongly encourage you to contact both your state representative and your state senator and urge them to get on board with constitutional carry. No matter what personality conflicts might come into play, no matter how much you uh, might like or dislike a, a fellow lawmaker, the important thing is to get a good bill to the governor's desk so it become a great law in the state of Florida. All right, now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Albuquerque. I think this is the second recidivist report we've had in Albuquerque just this week. Man involved in police shootout charged with murder of a security guard. Yeah, this is from KRQE, uh, who reports that the Albuquerque Police Department involved in a shooting on Tuesday morning. Uh, they were in the area of, near the Ambassador Inn. When officers were patrolling the parking lot, they were alerted that an individual was down and had possibly been shot. It turns out that individual uh, was pronounced dead on the scene. Police found the body of hotel security guard Daniel Mora there in the parking lot. The 38-year-old man was killed, allegedly by a man in a gray hoodie. Surveillance video shows that man in a hoodie immediately started shooting Mora, who was just making his rounds. The suspect then fled the hotel on foot. Officers identified a suspect who carjacked him in at gunpoint and then led officers on a chase, crashed into two patrol cars. Uh, Albuquerque Police Chief Harold Medina says during the pursuit, officers indicated that a fire was flashed. And then when the vehicle came to a stop, officers got into a foot pursuit with the suspect at that point is when officers discharged their firearms. 44-year-old Donovan Bookout allegedly fired several times at officers when officers fired back. Suspect wasn't struck. Neither were the officers. Bookout ultimately surrendered, was taken into custody. And police say that he has a lengthy criminal history dating back to 1996 when he was arrested for an aggravated assault charge. But despite a laundry list of arrests, there aren't nearly as many convictions in Bookout's criminal history. In 2014, for example, Albuquerque police arrested Bookout for shooting a man in the leg. Those charges were later dismissed. In 2015... Bookout was allegedly upset that his dad would not activate his cell phone, so he carjacked a woman at gunpoint. I'm not sure how one leads to the other, but whenever that incident came to an end when Bookout hit another car in a power pole, but state and federal charges were dropped when he was ruled incompetent to stand trial. Now, again, I, I, I guess I'm confused here, because if somebody is not competent to stand trial and yet they are accused of committing a violent crime, one would think that they would then be taken into custody and held in a 
inpatient mental facility until either A, they are found competent to stand trial, right? Or B, they no longer pose a danger to the community at large. And yet, it doesn't sound like either of those things happened. Because Bookout, earlier this month, had a warrant issued for his arrest for opening fire to Motel 6 in Albuquerque back in February. Now he's facing more charges, including murder. So, uh, arguably, Bookout still posed a threat to the community. So why was he out on the streets? Why had he not faced consequences for that carjacking back in 2015? Now, I will say, look, it's entirely possible. That was almost seven years ago. It's entirely possible that even if Bookout had gone through the criminal justice system, he would have given a plea deal. He would have already been back out on the streets. But again, this is just really concerning to me. And you've got a guy with a criminal history that dates back 25 years, violent criminal charges. And yet, it seems very few consequences over the decades. All right, today's armed citizen story from Akron, Ohio, where a 74-year-old shot a suspected burglar inside their home on Tuesday morning. Incident described as a home invasion. Police got the call about 7.30 Tuesday morning. Again, about uh, uh, a break-in in Akron. Police said they found a 16-year-old inside the home with multiple gunshot wounds. Police gave the teen first aid until he was transported to Akron Children's Hospital. Last report, he is listed as stable and is expected to recover. Police say actually he could be released from the hospital this weekend. The homeowner told authorities that the teen forced his way into the home. Uh, the 74-year-old man confronted the burglar at one point, fired a gun at him, striking him multiple times. Police say the homeowner not hurt. Uh, the investigation is ongoing. So far, no charges have been filed. This would appear to be a clear-cut case of self-defense. Ohio has a castle doctrine. Uh, a law that says uh, you are allowed to protect yourself inside your home. And if somebody breaks into your home, you can assume that uh, they were there with nefarious purposes and weren't there to give you candy. So uh, if the evidence backs up the uh, account of the 74-year-old homeowner, I expect that no charges will be filed against the homeowner, the uh, 16-year-old who broke in. On the other hand, yeah, he's going to get his day in court. And finally today, our good deed of the day. Back to New Mexico where a uh, state police officer and an employee of the New Mexico Department of Transportation in the right place at the right time was unable to do the right thing to help save a grandmother and her her two children from a burning car uh, on the side of the interstate. Yeah, as somebody who has dealt with a car fire uh, uh, personally, I I am always uh, compelled to share these stories because I know how quickly uh, it can go from, hey, is there something wrong with my car to my car's on fire? Uh, you know, just in a matter of seconds. So, according to the Mexico State Police, an officer was traveling eastbound on I-40 near Pruitt, New Mexico, on Friday when he came across this vehicle on fire. There's a car being towed by an RV. He ended up calling for assistance uh, while officers were waiting for fire crews to arrive. Because, again, this is, uh, as our friend Selena Zito would say, in the middle of somewhere, but a pretty remote area. Uh, two officers and a New Mexico Department of Transportation worker shoveled dirt onto the vehicle to keep the flames down. Uh, During that time, the DOT worker was also able to disconnect the RV from that car uh, and move the RV so that it was not impacted. Firefighters later arrived, put the uh, fire out. The grandmother and her grandchildren are okay. They've got a a heck of a story to uh, tell the rest of the family. But again, uh, thanks to the quick thinking and the fast actions of that uh, police officer and the uh, employee of the New Mexico Department of Transportation, 
uh, everybody was safe and sound. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. Thank you. It does mean a lot to us. I would also encourage you to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day, where we are covering even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We really do appreciate your support for our independent pro segment of journalism. So as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis, information you won't find anywhere else. Because your support really does make a difference. And it really does matter. Hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe. Be free.